This is Making Shift Happen, and I'm your host, Jen Cates. Over the years, I've coached hundreds of clients to find their ideal self through the way they nourish their bodies and minds, and now I'm here to help pass on these same strategies to you. So let's stop the madness and get your results once and for all. Let's go. Hello, Making Shift Happen family. Today, we're going to be talking about how to build the quote-unquote perfect meal, and we're going to divvy this up into two different parts, uh, because this this first part today that we'll be talking about will be focusing a little bit more on macros, counting macros, if it fits your macros, you know, whatever you really want to call it, but it's in essence when you're counting your carbs, proteins, and fats. And I know a lot of followers do that or have at least dabbled in that, and I think it's, it's worth talking about now. Uh, and then next week, we'll talk about the hand-eye portioning method, which is really helpful, especially for folks who don't really want to take the time to learn how to count the macros or you know weigh and measure their food, because it can be really mentally exhausting. And it can just not be for everyone. It is not for everyone. In fact, it's, I don't think it's for most people. I do think that it is nice to have it as a tool, maybe give it a try for a couple of weeks because then you can actually really hone in for two to four weeks on what four ounces of of meat look like, for example, or what an actual cup of rice really converts to uh, when you actually weigh it out. So anyways, first things first, I did also want to talk about the word perfect because I really do want to throw that word out the window. Uh, I really dislike the word, but it was one of those things where, you know, how to build the perfect quote unquote meal part one sounds a lot better than how to build the best meal plan for you uh, part one. And I don't know, it's just kind of a semantics thing. So I'm not aiming for perfection by any means, but you know, just know that the word perfect does make me cringe a little bit. And it's because it makes you think that there is only one ideal way for which you should be striving to make your meals. So instead, let's definitely strive to make the best possible meals that we can make for ourselves. Not necessarily perfect, but it's going to be perfect for you. Okay. So I would like to take this opportunity to also remind yourself that food is fuel. Use it accordingly. Food is also not just fuel. It is also your culture. It is how you celebrate family. It is how you celebrate life events. It's how you celebrate life. And I think sometimes we focus too much on the fact that food is fuel. You know, it's just like putting gasoline in a car and your body's the car. No, it's a lot more than that. It is, it is in essence who you are. You know, it is, it is your upbringing. It is your cultural and social influences. And I think that we can't take away from that. But ideally, I do want you to focus on picking foods that can make you feel good, well-fueled, and ready to conquer your day and your workouts and training and things like that, because these are the personal choices for you to make day in and day out. You do, generally speaking, have a fair amount of control over what you're eating. So the aim is for you to be eating anywhere between three and six meals per day, depending on, of course, your personal preferences, your schedule, your digestion. This is also really key for folks who do work shift work, uh, because I do actually work with a fair amount of shift workers who are either firefighters or work in the hospital setting uh, in healthcare. And, you know, when you're doing 12 to 48 hour shifts, you have to sometimes eat with your station, um, you know, eat with your, your colleagues on a certain schedule. Uh, you have to eat in between patients and it just all depends. Hell, even if you're a coach and you are coaching folks, 
in person, that is also going to impact when and how much you're, you're eating as well. So even if it's just two meals a day, that's perfectly fine. But I will say on average, it's usually three to six meals per day. And I want you to listen to your body. You know, this is kind of a, I don't know, very ethereal, but it is really important to see how your body responds to the number of meals you eat each day. And really, if you ever experience any type of stomach upset along with your energy and hunger levels throughout the day after each of your meals. So I'm going to take the next few minutes really, you know, during this episode to talk about the step-by-step meal building plans, keeping those things in mind that I just mentioned, you know, that food is fuel, but do obviously pick the number of few of meals that you need per day. Do consider your cultural and, you know, social influences and also what works really well for your body in particular. I am also going to link in the show notes, the blog version of this podcast. I actually wrote this blog a few years ago and guess what? It still applies. (laughs) Nothing, nothing in essence is really going to change when it comes to this. Okay. So let's dive in step-by-step meal building. So In this instance today, I'm going to be assuming that you already do have your daily macros calculated for your particular needs and goals. I'm not here to really calculate those things um, for you in a podcast. And because I think that there's a lot of things to consider, especially your diet history and how much you have been eating regularly and what your activity levels are and what your particular goals and things are for you. But let's just say you have your your macros calculated and then you're wondering how the hell do I divvy it up? And, you know, there's a a few steps here. The first step, pick how many meals you want to eat that day. This is again, like I mentioned earlier, this is your personal preference. So whatever works for you, your goals, your schedule, and your workout schedule as well. Step two, calculate how many macros on average you should eat at each meal. This is where it gets really easy. You basically do this by taking your total daily protein, carb, fat macros, and divide each of them by however many meals you plan on eating that day. If you plan on four meals per day, perfect, divide it by four. For example, if your daily macros are 150 grams of protein, divide it by four. That's about 38 grams of protein per meal. There you go. Uh, And then carbs, say you eat 200 carbs or 200 grams of carbs per day, divide that by four, it's about 50 grams of carbs per meal. And then if you're eating roughly 60 grams of fat, divide that by four, great, 15 grams of fat. So it really breaks it down to per meal averages, which is right around 38 grams of protein, 50 grams of carbs, 15 grams of fat. Those are just averages. Now, of course, not every meal has to have that exact same template of protein, carbs, and fats. For example, if you want to have a snack after dinner, then you may want to vary the numbers earlier in the day to make that after dinner snack or dessert fit your day. Uh, You know, basically it just requires some some shifting around of your macros from your other meals. So that way you can make that little after after dinner uh, sweet treat work for you. But obviously, totally based on your own personal preference and things like that. Now, this is incredibly important because I don't really necessarily want to cover this here in this podcast or in this episode today, because we can go down a rabbit hole that where we talk about, you know, taking into account your pre or post workout meals. So please keep in mind that this calculation that I'm talking about today and just how to simplify your meals macro wise is not going to take that into consideration because you don't have to worry about that right now. If you're new to counting macros, don't worry too much about your workout nutrition. 
I just want you to focus on the simplicity of building your meals effectively and averaging them out throughout the day. That way you can just get consistent with understanding how to weigh and measure your food and how to keep yourself fueled throughout the day, okay? I don't want to overwhelm you too much with, oh, okay, then now we need to figure out your pre and post-workout meals uh, and, you know, increase your, your carbs and things like that because sometimes that can just be a little bit too much to, <laughs> to consume, pun intended. Um, the goal here, I'd say for... <laughs> honestly, like over 90% of the folks that I work with, when they come to me for nutrition help, they just want to figure out how to build a meal, you know, like just a meal, like how the heck do I build a meal, Uh, you know, besides cereal or something that comes out of a box, right? So that's what we're talking about for the most part today. Now, of course, I'll definitely discuss calculating, you know, in a future uh, podcast episode, just talking about pre and post workout nutrition. But right now, I just want you to think about eating healthfully, And then, you know, in order to do that, you have to establish that consistent meal schedule that includes basically properly portioning your meals. So once that becomes consistent and you get used to that after a few weeks, then you can worry about adding on and planning your ideal pre and post workout meals. Okay. Baby steps, people, baby steps. (laughs) It's, it's one thing at a time. And I think sometimes people just want to take on too much too soon. Okay. So step one, we talked about picking how many meals you want to eat per day. Step two, calculate how many macros on average you want to eat per meal based on how many meals you want to eat. Third step, when building your meal, in an ideal world, you want to focus first on nutrient-dense foods and not calorie-dense foods. So nutrient-dense foods are things like vegetables, fruits, or another food that makes you feel fueled after eating it makes you feel good. Fruits and vegetables not only help you consume more nutrients, which are vitamins and minerals, they also help you increase your fiber intake, as well as just leaving you fuller with very little macros being consumed, honestly, especially if you are on a diet or looking to cut some body fat from you just for performance or aesthetics. That's a win. That is what you want to do ideally, okay? Step four since the fruits and veggies can often often be incredibly low in carbs, add additional carbs to your meal to fit your carb allotment for that particular meal, okay? Now, of course, some fruits are going to be a little bit higher in carbs than vegetables, for example, especially leafy vegetables. And when I say vegetables, I'm talking about non-starchy vegetables, really. So not really potatoes or things like that. Those amazing vegetables that everyone loves. But do consider your carbs just to fit it in through throughout the day in your meal. Okay. So that'll be things like rice, potatoes, uh, cereals, breads, beans are also considered a carb, even though they are also a a protein for folks who are eating plant-based, but lots of carb options. (laughs) Step five, select your protein of choice. In fact, you know, dare I say, I'd, I probably would have, uh, if I were to rewrite rewrite this blog now, I probably would put protein first because I think protein is should be the base of every meal. Whether you're vegan, vegetarian, doesn't matter. Protein should always be selected first. But, you know, in all honesty, if you're really looking for healthfulness of your meals, then yeah, focus on fruits and vegetables. Make your plates as colorful as possible. Uh, I know I don't do this 100% of the time. In fact, a lot of times I don't even track my vegetables or my fruits, you know, if I am tracking just because I, I've been doing this so long, I don't, I don't really have to. Um, but 
I don't put it in there. I just usually put in actually the calorie dense foods that I'm usually eating. So just adds up in case you see me on my fitness pal. Uh, but yeah, step five, select your protein of choice. Remember that some meats and meat substitutes do have more fat than others. So definitely, you know, factor in those fats as part of your fat intake for that particular meal. And this is incredibly important if you are eating, you know, red meats, uh, or any type of vegan type of meat substitutes, because they do usually tend to be a little bit higher in fats because they are a little bit more nut based. Step six, get fat. (laughs) Just kidding. Just select a healthy fat. And by healthier fats, I do mean things such as avocado, nuts, seeds, some grass-fed butter is a really good option, or another favorite fat of yours, you know, whatever that is. I know lately I've been on a goat cheese kick. I'm not lactose intolerant. Um, Praise everything. But, you know, it's one of those things. I do love goat cheese, and uh, I do like my Greek yogurt or Icelandic yogurt. And I love my avocado. So yeah, give me the avocado toast. I will take it and eat it. But you know, once you figure out what your, what your ideal fats are that you really enjoy, go for it. You know, another one I really like is cashew butter. Um, you will notice I didn't necessarily call out coconut butter or coconut oil. It is mostly saturated fat, not saying it's unhealthy. I'm just saying, Hey, it's a fat. If you want to eat it, great, go for it. Olive oil is going to be obviously your better option. Uh, just according to research. And, you know, it's one of those situations where pick the fat that you like, pick the dressing that you like. There's not really anything awful unless you're selecting fats that have trans fats and the fats that you do want to avoid. So keep in mind with all of those steps being said, you know, after I've outlined those six steps, please keep in mind that every meal doesn't have to be perfect, you know, in terms of fitting your protein, carbs, and fats. Example, I like to eat apples with cashew butter as a snack. Doesn't have hardly any protein in it because cashew butter is a fat. It does have some protein in it, sure, but not a ton. So it's not the end of the world, but just know that, yeah, it's going to balance it out. Um, If I wanted to make it a little bit more balanced, sure, I'd probably add a little bit of lunch meat or maybe some sliced chicken or something like that. But uh, sliced chicken and lunch meat don't really go very well with an apple in nut butter. (laughs) So that's just me. For me, I'm just going to personally have a protein shake after my workout. That's just me. Um, It's quick. It's easy for me to consume and I don't even have to think about it because then what I'm usually doing after I'm working out is I'm coming back in and I'm I'm doing some more work. I'm doing some more client work, programming, things like that, Uh, addressing emails, you know, you name it, I'm doing it. So I need to just not think about my post-workout meal that much uh, during the week. So That's what works for me, but just know that this method is only to help you create a basic template for each of your meals, just to get you started, you know, get you pushed out the door. That way you can go fly out on your own and you can kind of figure out this whole food thing on your own. Okay. Again, it's not perfect. It's not meant to be a perfect method, but it at least gets you started in the right direction with planning your meals. And again, baby steps, they're incredibly important. So friendly reminders, I want you to be flexible. Remember that There's no such thing as good foods or bad foods. Food is food. There is no morality to your food, okay? If you're craving something fatty, then listen to your body. Eat something a little bit fattier. Maybe increase your fat that day. Maybe reduce your carbs a little bit that day to offset your fat intake. However, try to make your fatty meal fit into your day's macros as best as you can by eating relatively lean during your other meals. And a uh, a good example of this is if you're going out to eat, You know, if you do want to have a dessert or you want to splurge a little bit on maybe some alcohol, great. Just offset it during your other meals. Like, don't sweat it. I don't want you to think about it too much because I know 
Unfortunately, I know some folks who have come to me that have worked with uh, coaches in the past that were just insanely strict. Like they make them feel awful mentally and physically for eating a burger and fries with their kids. Coaches, if you're listening to that and you are a coach that does that, let's have a talk and let's let's talk about the behavioral changes that are necessary and not not nitpicking over those things you know it's not worth it i don't want folks to get these hang-ups when it comes to food because that's just i don't know it's just not it's not a healthy approach to food and i just never want i i hate hearing it when folks feel like there is morality to food or you know um oh i'm gonna eat this and it's gonna go straight to my ass or it's gonna go straight to my thighs or whatever people you hear say time and time again so it's all a balancing act, you know, give and take. It's mostly about consistency, okay? Now, flexible eating pro tip. When it does come to your cravings, do try to satisfy your craving with a dose of moderation. Now, of course, moderation, I know it can have a variety of different definitions for a lot of folks, but I'll give you an example. I love dark chocolate. I love it. Milk chocolate, mm, you can just take it. I don't want it. You can take all the milk chocolate. Uh, in fact, I don't even think we have any milk chocolate in this house, but we do certainly have dark chocolate. We always will have dark chocolate in this house. I love it. Uh, it's a nice little treat. And because of that, I do try to work bits and pieces of dark chocolate into my day. And usually that's in the morning, <laughs> believe it or not. If you listen to other podcasts, you probably already know about my pocket pancake uh, situation. I always have pancakes in the morning and I do add some dark chocolate chips or bittersweet chocolate chips to my pancakes. It, it makes me happy and it starts my day off really great because dude, I have chocolate pancakes. Like my morning's starting to rock. I love that. Um, but I do this by adding a little bit of dark chocolate, obviously to, you know, to, if I'm tracking, I'll add it to my tracker just to kind of get an idea. Like if I'm having a little bit of a craving that day for more, chocolate if you know what i mean for any menstruating individuals listening um it's one of those situations where yeah i'll just add a little bit more chocolate not the end of the world but you know i try to factor it in like hey that's why i kind of start the day off with a little bit of chocolate because come the end of the day i'm not really even if i'm having decision fatigue from work and helping others with their food and things like that i'm not really craving too much by the end of the day unless i've completely you know just slayed myself in a workout and I'm just pooped <laughs> and I need some uh, I need some calories or something like that but plan ahead as best as you're able to just know that not every day is going to be perfect and that's fine on the other hand be forgiving it is pointless to beat yourself up if you overeat at a meal because what's done is done <laughs> the food is already down the hatch keep it down the hatch by the way the best thing you can do for yourself is to stop and reflect on why you overate. What was the biggest reason you stuffed your face? <laughs> was it emotional? Was it sadness? Was it guilt? Was it grief, stress, boredom? Ask yourself, pause on that. Notice what those feelings were and be honest when you answer them. Don't dwell on any errors, errors that you've done or, you know, uh, off plan eating. It's another statement I don't really like. Just try to learn from the experience and move on. But there is there is a huge amount of importance in recognizing what the triggers were. Maybe it's the fact that you have a sick parent or a sick kid or a sick animal, you know, pet or something. Or maybe you didn't get that promotion at work or maybe you got laid off. Maybe there's just some crap that's going on in your life. And it's fine. That's life. There's never really going to be a 
the best time to do something, right? There's never going to be the best time for a diet or workout plan or whatever, because life is always going to be continually throwing things at you. The key in the whole process is to really recognize, hey, life is happening at warp speed right now, mock chicken speed. What can I do to kind of regain a little bit of, not control, but what can I do to address things that are maybe falling through the cracks? You know, like if you did stuff your face, great. What can I do the next time? What can I do the tomorrow? What can I do with my next meal? That'll make me feel a little bit better. What are some foods that really bring me joy, but make me feel good and don't make me necessarily feel guilt or anything like that afterwards. Um, you know, because the whole guilty feeling after eating things, that's a process that, you know, of course it's obviously ideal to work on that with a therapist, but I think just noticing and naming what those feelings are and what those emotions are, are really telling and they can go really far. So and what I, what I did mention earlier about off-plan eating, you know, and how I don't really like that term, is because off-plan or on-plan is the same thing as saying good foods, bad foods, or healthy, unhealthy, or black and white. Anything that's very, you know, too, too one-sided or the other, a little bit too extreme. And it does bring a little bit of the guilt package along with that. So I try to avoid saying off-plan. Um, I'm just saying off plan because I know that is a term that a lot of folks can use because here's the thing, what you're eating. I mean, that's, that's your plan. Even if you didn't plan for it, that's too bad. It's, it's what you've eaten. And I think by saying, Hey, I ate a little off plan. Don't, don't even do that. Or cheat meal. That's another one. Don't, don't give yourself that, that guilt. Um, you know, instead really just say, Hey, yeah, totally had a burger and fries and beer, had a couple beers uh, at a food truck after my bike ride, yada, yada. It is what it is. The key here is just making sure that any quote unquote off plan eating or meal is not necessarily going to ruin any progress you've, you've made or are making. You know, you might experience some bloating, maybe a little bit of stomach discomfort after eating, you know, the, the couple of beers and, and fries and burger. I don't know about you. I usually feel amazing after I eat those things. Um, but it's, you know, generally bloating or any type of stomach discomfort is, is coming about because you're just not used to maybe eating those things regularly or as regularly as you, as you once were. And the number on the scale might even increase a little bit after you do have that quote unquote off plan meal. But here's the thing, it's because of the bloating, it's because of the water retention. And there is a huge difference, and I've said this in other episodes before, there's a huge difference between weight gain and fat gain. Not all weight gain is fat gain. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Not all weight gain is fat gain. Perfect example, if you are a menstruating individual and you do see weight scale fluctuations around that time of the month, especially the week before your cycle, great. <laughs> that is going to be your hormones fluctuating the water uh, levels in your body. Okay. So it's not fat. You didn't gain like three pounds of fat overnight. Okay. It, it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible to gain five to 20 pounds of fat after having only one unfavorable meal. Okay. The problem here lies in getting a case of the fuckets after you eat one unfavorable meal that might be quote unquote off plan. So then that one meal basically falls and snowballs into eating several 
unfavorable meals instead of just stopping after that one meal. So resist having a case of the fuckets. That's a whole other topic I'm sure I'll discuss in the future. But it's one of those situations where, you know, noticing and naming what's going on. Like, hey, maybe I'm in a deficit. Maybe I'm in an energy deficit, especially if the volume of your training is increased. I'm just using this as an example because it's pretty common right now, um, including for myself. You're just feeling a little bit depleted. Um, because maybe you're not increasing your intake to match your actual training. So maybe you are actually reaching for the food because sure you're craving it, but your body's also trying to tell you, Hey, I might need a little bit more uh, calories or energy right now. So just pause, press pause, notice what is happening, why you're reaching out for those foods or, or drinks or what have you. And it will really, really help you resist having a case of the fuckets. Okay. So hopefully, hopefully this helps get you started with breaking up your macros each day to create the best possible meals to fuel you in a balanced way every day, depending on your goals, your training, and all of that. Now, as always, don't hesitate to let me know if you have any questions at all by contacting me at jen at shifthumanperformance.com. Again, that's jen at shifthumanperformance.com. Check out the show notes because if you're not on my email list, I don't annoy the hell out of my people. I email maybe a couple times a month. Uh, if you're not on my email list, hop on. I don't sell things in all of my emails. If anything, I just kind of reshare things that I've already, I've already talked about as well as address any webinars and things like that. And I do have the Moderation 365 program that I'm going to be launching here in the next couple of months. And it's, it's really to help put into play a lot of the things we talked about today, but without the macros, without really worrying about weighing and measuring your food and really just learning to trust yourself with food because I feel like sometimes we just want to put our food in a nice tidy little box and that's why we do get sometimes in that weighing and measuring type of rabbit hole and and I want to help folks break free of that and learn to trust themselves you know unless they do obviously have specific performance goals that are maybe more aesthetic then yeah weighing and measuring can become really handy Oh, Milo just sighed. I don't know if you heard that in the back. He's over weighing and measuring, okay? I weigh and measure actually his food, or I don't weigh it, but I, I measure it because he he can gain the LBs pretty quickly, and the vet keeps me keeps me honest with that. Um, but anyways, he sighed in the background because he too is a big supporter and proponent of Moderation 365 because uh, he could moderate moderately eat all the peanut butter treats, I'm sure. Sure. <laughs> but if this did sound, you know, a little too complicated for you, hey, I do have a couple of spots open for, for coaching. Or if I don't have any spots at this time, you know, if you're listening to this in the future, don't worry. I always have a wait list going uh, where I will open up to one or two spots as folks graduate out of the program and go out on their own because they've learned to trust themselves. And uh, and I'm so always so stoked for them. So all of that information is in the show notes. For now, fam, I am endlessly grateful for you for listening, and I hope you catch me next week as I go a step further and I talk all about this, but through the lens of eyeballing foods and using your hand and just learning to trust yourself a little bit more, okay? Have a beautiful day. I will catch you next week. <laughs>